You're listening to the Acceptably Real Podcast with Joe and Jerry on Anchor.fm, where the weird, the wild, and the unknown are fair play. Enjoy the show. Hey, Joe. Hey, Jerry. Well, what do you know, Joe? (laughs) Well, I know that it's a busy time these days, and I know that you know that I know that it's a busy time these days. (laughs) What do you want to talk about? Well, um, we've we've got some uh, interesting alien stuff. We so we could talk about some alien stuff today. Um, Okay. So. Two things I, I found were interesting. Two books. One, I haven't actually bought the first book yet, but I did buy the second one. The first one is by uh, Harvard astronomy professor Avi Loeb, who has published something called Extraterrestrial, the First Sign of Intelligent Life Beyond Earth. And his book makes the case that Oumuamua was actually a spacecraft. That's that flat rock, right? Yeah. Well, they, they, everybody's assuming it's a rock. Nobody's actually imaged it. All they got was light signatures. Oh, really? And, and, a, and a, the, the only visual cue was like a blurry dot. But they surmised the shape of it because of the way the light would wane and, and, and get brighter and get dimmer. And they were able to do some calculation and say, okay, it was oblong. But uh, so I, I've been watching, especially since this book came out and I was really interested in this. I saw a really good video that actually made the case on both his side and the people who actually discovered Oumuamua are saying, no, it's bullshit. It's just an asteroid. And so and, and then, then the guy who made the video said, who was also an, an astronomer, said, "Well, I kind of sit in the middle here. I'm not going to say it's one or the other, but both of them are missing a couple things. Because one, it could be a cylinder. They say, yeah, it, it could be a cylinder. It could also be a disc. And then the disc was only, you know, edge on to us and flipping around. And so it, we don't know if it was cylinder shaped or not. And so." That's part of the uh, A.V. Loeb's argument is that it actually matches the signature of, of a light sail. And mm. so there's these six things that they ticked off, and he said these six things show that this is beyond a doubt not uh, a, a rock, basically. And then the the other team was able to knock off four of the six put one of them in question, but the very last one, nobody's got an exclamation explanation for. And that is the thing accelerated away from the sun when it left, it was accelerating. Yeah. Oh, so I thought I I saw some picture of it. Was that just a computer generated thing? Yeah. That's a, that's a, uh, someone came up with an artist's rendition of it and everybody's been using it as a de facto image. It's, it's know. just an imaginary image that it's a, it's a best guess because if you look at his images, 
it's a light sail. That's interesting. And another interesting thing is the way it was, well, gosh, it wasn't like it came into our solar system. The solar system was going toward it. So it was in, and so he, he's saying that another intelligence actually sent it, aimed it at us and put it in our path because you know how the, the solar system is actually moving. I don't know how many thousands of kilometers per second. Mm -hmm. And that rock or spacecraft was actually sitting at close to what they call local area rest, where it wasn't moving, as in relationship to the re- the rest of the the galaxy. It was pretty much at rest, and we're moving because we're orbiting around the center, and we just zoomed in. And the darn thing was very precisely went around the sun and and, and passed Earth twice, fairly close. And to the point where he says it was aimed at, it was, you know, it was, it's an alien probe and they were taking a look at us because this is exactly what we would do when we would send one out, you know, to Alpha Centauri or something. Because it, it fit. But then, you know, the other camp says that's all, you know, BS. I, I mean, yeah, it's it's nice to think of it that way, but none of it, well, except for the fact that it was accelerating. The rest of it, they were able to explain away in a, without saying aliens. And so his argument is, you know, whether or not it was aliens, we really need to start talking about this because there are obviously aliens out there and the scientific community treats aliens like um, pariah. Anybody says aliens, you're just instantly attacked. Which is crazy. He says, you know, there are aliens out there. I mean, mathematically, it's impossible for us to be the only life in the universe. Mm-hmm. Most likely, any planet out there that could support life probably does. And any planet out there that supports life probably came up with at least one intelligent species. And even if it's one out of every 10,000, that's that's still millions of civilizations out there, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, and he says, you need to start taking this seriously and start looking at it seriously and don't act like, you know, anybody who brings it up is talking about unicorns or, you know, or, or the Loch Ness monster. No offense. Cause I know you're into that, but, or, or fairies, you know, and and that's exactly what the scientific community kind of treats it as. It's like, oh, this guy believes in fairies. Well, great. You know, yeah. He's not I, a real scientist. Don't you feel like what we've talked about previously with the U.S. government and, and you know, hearing that they're going to be releasing more information soon? I mean, we're kind of going in a good direction, don't you think? Yeah. But, see, the scientific community is not following that. Yeah. It's like everybody else's. So – I thought that was that was interesting, and I'm not saying he's right, obviously, who knows. But it brought up the second book. It goes right into the second book, which I am reading right now, and which which I, I showed you, and you kind of poo-pooed it. But uh, there's a, 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 a guy who's a, a serious scientist 
what is his name? Morris. Simon Conway Morris. And I, I've got his textbook. He's from the University of Cambridge. And he is a big on convergent um, evolution. And he's just using Earth as a model. So he looks th- over Earth's entire you know, history and all the the species have come and gone and we could, we could track their, you know, fossils pretty close and we could surmise things fairly close and the same creatures evolve over and over and over again without even being related to each other. What? Yeah. It's like, you know, uh, octopuses and humans have, but we have almost exactly the same eyes. You know, and, and it's things like that. And what, what he's saying is creatures are are formed by the environment they're in, not the other way around. And so if you have a certain environment here on Earth and you have a, a, a the same, almost exact same environment on another planet, your creatures are going to all look the same because they're formed by the environment, the the environment forms them. So his contention is that if there are alien species out there, intelligent alien species, they are most likely not exactly like us, but they're not going to be so alien that we wouldn't recognize them. He's like, there's going to be birds. There's going to be, you know, spiders. There's going to be lizards. There's going to, because I mean, the, these things have, have, have evolved over and over again, like crabs and spiders are the same. And because the the mechanics of the, the creature that has evolved is, has, is been optimized to survive in the environment and the environment shapes their, their evolution. Because if they, in any, anything that evolves something that doesn't help them survive in that environment, they don't succeed. And, and so that's, so he, he's, so, but I, I haven't got all the way through it. I just, you know, I've, I've been read like the first five or six chapters and I, I read this one uh, kind of quick little article that I sent you where there, the guy, the guy who wrote this article, he says, um, he summed it up by saying it makes it kind of even more plausible that aliens are among us right now. Where was this article at? Sciencealert.com, which doesn't now, now that makes me go, okay, crackpot. So even I have that, that thing. And there's someone says, Oh, aliens are here among us now. I'm like, nah. but who might you say? I mean, if, if if we're accepting that there are in fact aliens out there, and mm-hmm. by aliens I say, I, I'm talking when I say aliens, I I mean an alien being that is like a a person, you know, an, an intelligent race, and they're likely out there. And if they have space travel, we, we kind of have gone off this. They probably do look a lot like us. They've probably been watching us for a while. Um, because I mean, we're broadcasting to the whole universe that we're here. We have been for a hundred years who are going, yeah, there's a civilization here. And, and the great Fermi paradox is like, well, why don't we hear anybody else? And 
we're starting to because there is that incredible signal that they picked up, though they don't know for sure if it's, you know, we talked about this last time mm-hmm. the, in the Alpha Centauri. They, yeah, they picked it, up a radio signal. What you're saying makes sense to me. If if we we take that life is all based around carbon, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, and, being... it, and it might not be, but I mean, if it's a if it's another planet that's not like ours, mm-hmm. and life forms on it, that's going to be very alien. Right. Okay. Now we're on the same page. Before I was kind of getting like, I don't know if we're going to be seeing humans come down, and you know what? Even if there's not at this point, I'm sure at some point in time, there likely has been, right? I mean, and, and but I mean, it could be humanoid. You know, it yeah. could be those gray hive aliens that we're always talking about. So you're saying, so you're saying, Star Trek wasn't very far off after all. Yeah, and, and, and it may not be. Yeah, some, something I've thought a lot about is the fact that you know as humans we're we're still a very young species or race you know and we don't we have no flipping idea how old or young the entire everything is well, we kind of have an idea about our planet right and basic things from the big bang um but we really don't know and we, we oh go ahead sorry no, I was just going to say we don't know, and and it's hard for us to ever give a for sure answer on that, you know. I I know, but here's here's another intriguing thing, and I think I've brought this up before. If you look at 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 if you look at DNA, just in general for all species across the you know the spectrum, you see if the further back you go in time. Or, or in, in the, 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 the lesser species, there's, there's this curve that almost fits exactly with the, um, oh, what's that thing where, where, uh, uh, computing power doubles every two years or something like that. You know what I'm talking uh, about? Yeah. Something law. Um, yeah. Moore's law, Moore's law. Moore's law yep. So they, they were, th- there was this one group who actually took Moore's law and applied it to DNA. Because they're like, this is a computer code. This is code that builds something. It's it's an encoded instruction set. And you take it all the way back to the crudest animals that exist. And you could see how the, the code gets simpler and simpler and simpler, right? Until at one point, it's still, they can project it back to point. Five billion or whatever, how long our Earth has been here? It's still really complex, right? And so they're the like if in in and they were able to prove that that over time it increases uh, 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 at a steady rate. And so if you look back far enough, they're like, well, this really points that DNA didn't actually start on Earth. Because it, because the evidence is showing that DNA is older than the planet, so you you take and now this is not proven. This is a theory, but if you take that premise, and and there's there's two different ways you look at it. One is it just arrived and drifted in on comets or something like that, and it permeates the whole area, 
and it evolves somewhere else and who knows where. Or you could you could go the the aliens route and say that there's there was a super duper race sometime maybe a billion or two years. No, it would have to be even older than that. It'd be like over five billion years ago, decided they were gonna send out like cedar ships all over the galaxy and seed every planet they could with this DNA seed of life to populate life across the whole galaxy. And I think that's actually kind of likely, you know? You, you think that there's some, some alien species came across the galaxy and seeded something? Seeded yeah, well, and, what I'm saying is, I mean, and they, they didn't even have to do it themselves. They could just send the seeds out on on ships that are unmanned that would just crash that would all they'd have to do is is be able to you know go for how many millions of years through space and and be able to find a planet that's likely and seed that planet it, basically they're scattering seeds across the galaxy just wow. technological seeds full of full of this dna that once it gets down there, it does its own thing. And how many times has Earth been pretty much destroyed and all life wiped out except for like microbes? And then the microbes came back again and formed life all over again, you know? Mm-hmm. So so either, of course, I'm not saying this is what really happened. I'm, I'm just, we're, we're playing. But I, I think it is within... Very believable. Um, I, I think it's very believable that either that happened and that's how we got here. Because, I mean, how we got here is, a, is still a big mystery because nobody's ever been able to spontaneously create life, even with the right conditions. So even even the – I keep going on tangents. Let me, let me backtrack. So either that happened or at some point life like 10 billion years ago formed – and the plant, their planet broke up or something, and the the DNA was able to survive and drift on space dust, and just like land on planets, and one of them hit us, and all it took is one little bit of it, and and over billions of years, it you know it 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 takes over the whole planet, but I think it's more likely that it was done on purpose. Yeah, that's that's a big question. Uh, whether it was done on purpose or whether it just kind of happened, you know, whether we just kind of were the right place, right time, Goldilocks kind of deal. Yeah, but I mean, we're we're finding out we're not really that special. Yeah, because I mean, the more they're looking at exoplanets, the more they're going, "Oh, well, every star's got planets. Look at that. Oh, yeah, every star's got a planet in the Goldilocks zone. You know." So, yeah, well, we think of things in relation to us as yeah, human we do. beings, right? We think of everything as it's a very humanistic thing, right? Yeah, to do, and exactly. it's just kind of like one of those things, like okay, so these things are there. We see these planets around these stars, these special zones, right? That might be life, you know, that might have life, but what does it matter if we can't reach them, right? That's true. I mean. But I don't know. we might be able to. I mean, they're 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 doing actual 
teleportation of very small things right now in the lab. So how do you know how that works? I mean, I'm not asking for the whole scientific explanation. No, but no like, I, do you- I don't know how it works. It has something to do with entanglement. That's all I know. But they're able to take bits of matter and transport them a long ways instantly, faster want- than light. Yeah. You know? I and, wonder what that would be like if you were to teleport, would, would you be rebuilt? Like, is it kind of one of those things where you are disintegrated, then you are rebuilt? Or is it like, I don't know, man. That, I, I don't know. It blows my mind a little bit to even think about that, to be honest. I um, know, because, I mean, if you do it the Star Trek way, they disassemble you and send you. <laughs> but then there's transporter accidents where you come back twice. <laughs> <laughs> I won't want to be my, my guts coming out of my arm or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but it almost sounds like, and I don't, I don't know for sure. Cause I'm, I'm not that smart, but it kind of sounds like when they're doing it in the lab for real or, or the scientists on earth right now, they're actually teleporting the matter itself. And, and once we get, but I mean, so if you're going to, when, when we could actually start doing quantum computing for real at scale, the, the computational power is going to be almost unlimited. It, it's going to be scary unlimited. And that's the kind of power you would need to do the, the teleportation from what I understand, but it's coming because they're, they're working on it and they're succeeding. They're, there's problems and they're figuring them out. They make steps and they make progress. And, you know, it's, it's funny because I'm normally the one that poo-poos everything, right? Mm-hmm. On the show. And here I am being the one that, yeah, we're going to have teleportation. Yeah, there's aliens out there. Yeah, they're probably among us right now. No, it's, it's, no, no, I'm not, I'm not downing anything you're saying. I, I'm coming into it with open eyes and open mind, you know, as, as we should in this, this kind of conversation. I, you know what I was thinking about with teleportation? It's like, what needs to happen in our lifetime that could really tech- make a huge technological breakthrough and like change the way we we live? Like, think about, I know we've talked about this before on our podcast, but think about when the Wright brothers, you know, had their flight. Oh, yeah. You know? And then within so, so many years, like, boom, commercial airlines were a thing. Like, do we think that there's something like that that could possibly happen in our lives that could change everything for us? It could because, I mean, the the um, technology is advancing at an accelerating rate. Yeah. And, and I've run up against this as a science fiction writer because, like, back in the 80s, I would write about something that was supposed to happen, you know, uh, 150 years in the future. And then 10 years go by and it's already happening. And it's like outdated my stories over and over again. It got really frustrating. That's why I started writing fantasy instead. Um, but the teleportation is actually more likely to happen and be practical than faster than light spaceships. Now, the question is going to be, though, is can you teleport to somewhere that doesn't have a receiver yet? Or are you going to have to spend a million years getting a receiver to the other side of the galaxy in order to instantly then go back and forth? That's that's what I want to know. 
Did you ever play the game um, Mass Effect? Not yet, no. But I've I've seen people play it on on YouTube. It's fun. Well, looking the the premise of of it is that they had they had this ability to um oh they they came out I forgot what it was called um they were these huge kind of antennas that kind of allowed for the ability of um transportation at that at that rate uh-huh. um but that's kind of what it reminded me of what you're talking about yeah it's yeah. kind of like stargates so i mean can can we in order for a stargate to work you have to have a receiver mm-hmm. so so you're still at, at first you're still um trapped by the speed of light and in fact, it's the more I've studied it and the more I watch things on it, there's no way to go faster than the speed of light unless you cheat somehow. Like they're talking about if you can if you can do this thing where you create a gravity wave or, or compress space, you could ride that wave kind of like you're surfing it. And, mm-hmm. and actually end up going way faster than speed of light. But what would happen in effect is your spaceship would stretch out because, because space would compress around your spaceship. It would look like your spaceship stretched out four or five light years long and then went back to normal again. But then you're on the other side, right? It's kind of like an inchworm thing. But the problem with that is it would take an insane amount of energy to get that wave to happen. Is from what they because you'd have to like be able to tap into another universe and then to destroy that whole universe and use the whole energy from the destruction of that entire universe to power one jump. So so it doesn't sound very practical, but but theoretically it's possible but the teleportation thing does not it's it's computational it's computing with reality itself it's bizarre you're using molecules and stuff like that to do computation and then and then you like do the result and then you're somewhere else so yeah so I, so really I, instead of instead of trying to break the laws of physics you're reprogramming it <laughs> yeah you're you're moving space and time around you huh yeah it's just that i think it's going to happen in our lifetime i'm not in our know. lifetime if not then maybe next you know like it's it's something's got to give like i i think within the next 200 years we're going to be doing insane things that are, are like beyond star trek stuff oh yeah I, I do. I, re- I really think so. I, I, but, but I think it's going to be kind of like when, when, well, you're a lot younger than I am, but I remember back in the sixties and seventies and I think about the future and it was like, there was all flying cars and everything. And, you know, and, uh, now we could do all that, but we don't really want to because we now know the dangers of it. <laughs> 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 if everybody had a flying car, everybody could be a kamikaze pilot you know and Mm. and if if we had anti-gravity everybody could probably destroy the earth and if you know and so it's like 
the uh, but but nobody thought that we would be in, from in the seventies. People didn't really understand what a computer was. They thought they didn't know the difference between a computer and the software that ran. It was just a computer and it did a thing. Now we understand computers and software is different and depending on the software, the computer does a different thing. No, nobody in the seventies thought they'd be carrying a, um, a computer around in their pocket. That was also a TV set. That was also, you know, a telegraph machine that was also, you know, a camera that was also a, a TV, a, a portable newscasting equipment. And that was like, you know, it was like the one, the one thing that does everything that nobody predicted. And it, that would blow them away. The past people, the people in the past, those poor people, they didn't know what they're doing. Aliens, man. <laughs> yeah. It makes me think of a popular mechanics magazine you know oh, we yeah. talk about future and and all that cool stuff and retro future and all that stuff i think about 50 years ago versus what life will be like 50 years from now it's just wild to think about for me i just hope i just hope that mad max isn't the most accurate prediction of. it might be it might be i know be. that's what i'm always afraid of i'm like and it's funny i i talked to um my girlfriend who you know and uh, she's absolutely certain that 10 years from now, we're going to be in the Mad Max universe. The, the water and all that stuff. Yeah. That's what I'm, that's, that's a concern I have about water, like water being a commodity, fresh water anyway. Uh, they got to figure well, something out. I think we're going to have plenty of water. We're going to have too much water. <laughs> it's going to be water world. Oh yeah. Well, that's another, another aspect of it. That was a good movie. I know a lot of people didn't like it when it came out, but I know I, I thought it was fine. I had a lot fun, of fun yeah. watching that movie. Mm-hmm. That was a good one. Um, but I think our problem is you're going to have whole bands of the Earth that are un that are just too hot to survive on, you know, mm-hmm. unless it's winter. So, in uh, oh the earth's population are actually going to move up toward the poles. You may end up with uh, floating cities up on the, in the, what used to be the North pole, you know, and I think life's going to go on, but it's going to be very different from what we think it is. Yeah. I don't know if there's anything, I mean, that humans are smart enough to do to, to save the planet. I think that we have to focus some energy on getting off the planet or at least sending certain people uh, to a different planet or something to try to populate other planets. I know Elon Musk is a big advocate about that, you know, so. I know, but I, and I, and I agree with that because I think we need, because it's the, it's the old science fiction thing where you, we have all our eggs in one basket. We want to get, eggs in different baskets so that if earth dies, well, then we got other places that are alive and then we could go back and fix it. Right. But right now, um, I'm unless, unless earth turns to Venus and I don't think that's really possible. They're, they're talking about runaway stuff, but I mean, the, the earth will balance itself. I mean, we don't have that much carbon. It's, there's not enough carbon to turn us into another Venus. 
and we're not close enough to the sun, but we can really make it uncomfortable to live here except for certain areas. But even after that happens, it's still going to be more habitable here than it will be on Mars or any other planet in this solar system. Earth is still going to be the most habitable planet. And everything else is going to be artificial stuff. Like, you know, you might as well be living on a on a giant space station where you don't have to contend with a gravity well. Or like Mars, I, I would love to go to Mars. In fact, and, and I know I've made my girlfriend very unhappy, but I said, you know, if if Elon Musk is really going to ask for volunteers to go to Mars and die, I, I'm going to die at some point. Why don't I just go die on Mars? That would be awesome. I would get to go to Mars. <laughs> you know? yeah. I would do it. I would sign up. Yeah. Okay. I'll be the 65-year-old guy that goes up there and get cancer. Fine. At least I get to walk around on Mars for a while. But um, but it's it's not going to be it's, – it's never going to be a really pleasant place. I mean – the the soil they're finding out is poisonous to us. The the salts are like horrible. The, the, any water we find is going to have all sorts of heavy metal salts in it, and will have to be refined like crazy in order for us to you know be able to use it to drink, and and just things like that. That the 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 environment is very hostile. Uh, you would have more luck probably colonizing the seas under the ice on, on Europa than, than living on the surface of Mars. Because at least on Europa, you're going to have lots of water. Yeah. Because it's, it's an ocean planet. It's Isn't just that, very cold. Yeah, it's supposed to be very cold. I was wondering how cold that was. Well, apparently below the ice, it's not that cold because it's heated by the geothermal, um, not geothermal, the um, the tidal forces of of the the mother planet. Is, wait, is Europa? Is that is that Saturn or or Jupiter? I forget. Um, well, there's there's planets like that on. Well, they're moons, but they're planet-sized moons around both of them. Mm-hmm. And so there's multiple ones that, that, but Europa is supposed to be like the, the one that is the most exciting and yeah, Io uh, too, I think. Yeah. Io and it's Jupiter, by the way. And, uh, and Callisto maybe? Uh, Ganymede and Callisto. Yep. But the yeah. thing is Europa's not that big. Europa is okay. smaller than our moon. Okay. There's, there's one that's as big as the moon, isn't there? Uh, yeah, I don't know the the size difference between those the moons, but I mean, they they do think that Europa might harbor some life for sure. Um, yeah. I'm just just curious. And also, under the ice and all that water will shield you from all the radiation that that the big planet will, will throws at you from its giant magnosphere. So do we have to start making our sea labs underneath the ocean? Like sea lab yeah. 2020 and, and uh, yeah, and stuff. I mean, I wonder if that's what the future would be like, you know, if we have to adapt. Well, I'm sure if you want to live in the, uh, in the future 
around the equator area, you're probably going to want to live in the ocean unless it just becomes so acidic. Who knows? They're predicting that like the oceans are going to die. What? Yeah. It's, it's very bleak, these predictions, because the, 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 the climate cycle, and, and unfortunately I don't have all the facts in front of me, but it, or, or maybe not facts, the predictions, but, but one of them is that because of what's going to be happening in the in the atmosphere, it's the there's going to be a lot of acid going down into the in the water, and it's going to destroy all the coral, and it's going to kill a bunch of the fish, and it's going to create huge zones where there's no oxygen in the water anymore. Uh, so that that'll be a dead zone. So you're going to have a lot of trouble growing anything to eat. In, in that area. Yeah. We'll so, see. Yeah, I mean, have, a, it sounds like we're going to have a dead belt around the center of the, the equator. I, I'm just curious about how soon that would actually be, you know? <sighs> well, I, there's, I they're saying in the next 200 years, if we don't get our act together. Yeah. And there's so many people out there who just don't want to hear this. And they're going to like put their head in the sand and say, no, that's not happening. That's bullshit. And I don't know. Um, we'll, we'll find out. <laughs> yeah. It's something's going to happen, whether we like it or not. And, uh, whether we deny it or not. Hopefully by then we have cloud cities or underwater cities. Or, or the aliens actually save us. Or they save us. I'm trying to bring it back to the aliens somehow. <laughs> they, they'd probably pity us. They'd probably be like, wow, you guys really screwed yourselves over. Why don't a couple of you come with us for the museum, just like, you know, in Hitchhiker's Cut of the Galaxy. Or something. Yeah, really? <laughs> and uh, we'll save some of you. You can come to our zoo. You know, I don't know, man. Wild stuff. Well, if, if you believe some of the stories out there, they've been crossbreeding with us for a while and doing experiments and who knows? Maybe they're orchestrating a bunch of this stuff to make the earth a lot more like their planet. So that, uh, by the time it's horrible for us, it's perfect for them. And that's when they're going to start landing and saying, Hey, how's it going? That's when Mars going to serve us now. (laughs) Yeah. Take me to your leader. (laughs) So we could kill him and take over. Right. Something like that. And you're going to have their helmets on. We come in peace. <laughs> Mars attacks is one of my favorite alien invasion. Uh, that movies. is one of the best. Yes. I just um, saw one that I think you would love that is extremely alien and disturbing. What is it? Uh, it's been out for a couple of years now. It's star- starring Natalie Portman. It's called, uh, oh God, um, what is it called? I just reviewed it on, on my other podcast. I, I'm blanking on the name. It's something like Destruction. No, um, I'm going to have to look it up now. Uh, Annihilation? Annihilation, that's it. Yeah. Have you have seen it? it? No, I'd have to check it out. Oh, it is, it is psychedelic. And really, I mean, as far as an alien 
as far as alien goes, this is very alien, very alien. Uh, it's, and, and it's also, even though it's extremely weird and psychedelic, it also seems to be the most plausible alien invasion I've ever seen on film, even though it's got kind of a funky ending. Uh, the ending's funky. Hmm. Well, okay. Think of it. And another one that I always thought that is actually more realistic than any other ones was invasion of the body snatchers. Okay. Okay. And this is a little bit like that one. It's DNA that, well, I'm assuming it's DNA that invades the planet. Alien DNA. What are these? uh, What do they look like? In annihilation, do they look like humanoids? They don't look like they... anything. They don't look like any. It's just DNA code invades the oh, planet. That's interesting. An alien DNA code that is programmed specifically to do something. Hmm. And it is with 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 uh, kind of horrific results in some places. You get to see a man bear pig in this. <laughs> man bear pig, <laughs> nice. <laughs> but it is scarier than hell. Were, <laughs> and were you it's ever plausible. A, it's totally plausible. You, were you ever a Twilight Zone fan? I love Twilight Zone. Yeah, you know, you know the episode um, where that uh, housewife is at home and the little flying saucer comes down and invades her kitchen. Do you no, ever see that one? I don't one? think I've seen that one. Yeah, is it no. like an old old one or one of the newer ones? No, one of the old old ones. Oh, okay. No, um, I don't remember that one. Yeah, and basically these little <laughs> little aliens are are uh, in her kitchen. They're like tiny. And um, I think it's called The Invaders or or something. Yeah, The Invaders was the episode. Um, and this was from the 1960s. So this is way before me. But um, and they, they kept trying to fight her off and, and – uh, you know, she would take her kitchen pans and fight them off. And then at the end, <laughs> you'd, you would hear him scream. You'd hear him like scream, like abort mission, abort mission. Uh, the people from this uh, planet are giants. They're giants. And then of course, at the end, you see that little flying, tiny flying saucer go up and it has on, it zooms in and it says United States of America on it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's classic. Oh, wow. Okay. I gotta look that one up. That's funny. That that sounds like a Rick and Morty thing. <laughs> yeah, it's um one of the original ones. That I know there. I think it was Christmas or New Year's Day. They had uh, all the them running the old ones, and that was on uh, Rick and Morty. Did you see the um, the Russian the guy the candidate who was running against Putin? And yeah. He he flew back in yesterday and got arrested. Yeah. Um, he was with his wife on the plane and that's one of the last things they were watching was Rick and Morty. I thought that was cute. Oh God. I hope he's going to be okay. Yeah. It's not looking good for him. Putin doesn't like, uh, doesn't like competitors. (laughs) He's like the ultimate James Bond villain. Just look at him. He looks like the James Bond villain. (laughs) The guy was super intelligent, though. He still, I mean, he is super smart. You know, he um, was former KGB, and oh yeah, he just has that like 
Russia first mentality and everything about, you know, Russia. And then it just kind of seems like they try to make themselves out to be like way bigger than they actually are. And I don't know. They have to cheat at the Olympics to do that, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) Apologies to our Russian friends. Sorry, guys. (laughs) We're not, we're not any better. I mean, come on. We're, um, we just like aliens. So if you like aliens, we like yeah, aliens. Tell us about your along. aliens, Russia. <laughs> you want to hear. Yeah. That'd be cool to hear, you know, some stories about foreign countries and, and their stories about UFOs, because we only hear things from our perspective. And I know we've mentioned that before, but it would be very interesting to hear how other countries and their citizens handle, you know, alien UFOs and that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, if anybody out there has any stories and they want to tell them to us, they could do it via our, our, uh, our website, which is on anchor.fm because there's a little button you could click and record a message and send it to us. And I think you could even do it via the phone. Uh, but if not, you get a handy web browser and just go over there and make sure you got a microphone and, let us know. Well, that should we wrap her up? Let's do it. All right. Thanks for listening to the Acceptably Real podcast with Joe and Jerry. Eager for more? Visit us at acceptablyreal.com or like us on Facebook at Acceptably Real Podcast.